What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Giants Nation podcast. I'm your host, Justin Roman, and um, first of all, I hope everyone is having a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Um, guys, uh, oh, guys, this is it. Tomorrow is the day. We will find out if Saquon Barkley will get a long-term deal, if he'll sign the franchise tag, or... Is he going to sit out? So, we'll find out in 80 hours. Um, remember, guys, the, the the deadline for teams to sign a franchise tag ends around 4 o'clock p.m. Ugh. Hopefully, um, I'm ho- hopefully, the Giants get something done. But, yeah, like I said before, I hope everyone's having a wonderful uh Sunday morning, um, it was a very rainy, uh, night, um, thunderstorms, um, yeah, um, but anyways, guys, I came on here today just because I have another list, uh, that I want to share with you guys today, uh, I'm gonna, uh, my list for today, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, ranking my 10 best draft picks in New York Giants history, so, without further ado, Get right into this list. Um, so listen up. Over the course of the history of the New York Giants, um, in which they uh, in which they won eight championships, four uh, four Super Bowls, this team has drafted some truly elite talent. Either it be obvious picks to make uh, in the first round, or finding gems in the later rounds. The Giants always find a way to bring in great players through the draft. These 10 players were all drafted by the Giants at one point or another and made a massive impact. Some were high round, elite prospects, and others are some incredible draft steals. So, yeah. Um, So here we go. Number one. You know, number one's tough because, you know, usually number one, usually number... Usually, when it, when it comes to rankings, number, the, the, you know, whatever comes at number one is the best. But this is just my opinion. And number one, I gotta put running back Tiki Barber. Um, you guys are probably gonna question, Justin, why do you have a running back at number one? Well, look, listen up. It may have taken, look, it may have taken Tiki Barber time to catch on however once this guy was in his prime there may not have been a better running back in the NFL than Tiki Barber you know like while he unfortunately retired earlier than he should uh than he should have costing him a Super Bowl ring there's no doubt that this guy is one of the most talented players the Giants have ever seen you know he was drafted 36 overall in the 1997 NFL draft it would take Tiki Barber four seasons to reach his first 1,000-plus yard campaign. Once reaching this goal, though, this guy would rip off 1,200 yards in five of his uh, five in five of his next six seasons, I believe. In addition to this, he also made three Pro Bowls, an All-Pro appearance, and even came fourth in MVP voting during the 2005 season. In his best season, 
You know, I believe uh, Tiki Barber ran the ball 357 times for 1,860 yards and nine touchdowns, while simultaneously catching 54 passes for 530 yards and two touchdowns. In addition to being easily the best running back in Giants history, he's also one of the team's best receivers. You know, um, you know, uh, Tiki ranked second all-time in receptions and fourth all-time in receiving yards in Giants history. So, yeah, I got Tiki Barber. Uh, uh, I got Tiki Barber at number one. At number two, um, at number two, I. I gotta put defensive back Jimmy Patton on there. Um, Jimmy Patton is a, you know, this guy, he was a player who is seemingly forgotten by the average fan. Despite this, he still had a hell of a career considering that he was an eighth round pick. Well, while there weren't as many, while there weren't as many teams in the league as there are today, when Jimmy Patton was selected, he was still taken 92nd overall. Um, this guy, he spent his entire 12-year career with the Giants and was a key contributor to their 1956 NFL Championship win against the Chicago Bears. During his career, you know, um, Jimmy Patton would make five Pro Bowls and five All-Pro first-team selections. That is crazy. Um, in addition uh, to this, uh, this guy also ranked second all-time in Giants interceptions behind just Emlyn Tunnel, who ranks second in interception in NFL history. Unfortunately for Emlyn Tunnel, though, Emlyn wasn't technically drafted by the Giants, so he won't be on the list. However, we're here to talk about Jimmy Patton, who put together a remarkable career on his own. Now, we may not have been around. I may not have been around to see it, okay? But a secondary that comprised of both of Emlyn Tunnel and Jimmy Patton had to have given opposing offenses nightmares. You know, um, Jimmy Patton is one of the best players the Giants defense has ever seen. His ball hawking ability for his time was nearly unheard of. Hopefully, more people will begin to recognize what a special talent he was for the Giants. Yeah, I got him at number two. At number three, um... We can't forget, you know, even though this guy, even though this guy coached for the Cowboys, he was also, he also coached the Giants as well. We can't forget about defensive back and defensive coordinator Tom Landry. Um, Once again, this is another guy that I never seen. I wasn't alive when this guy was coaching and playing in the NFL, but I heard, I heard a lot of great things about this guy, you know, and I had to put him on my list. Look at uh, almost almost everyone knows Tom Landry for his time as the Giants defense coordinator or the 29 year or the 29 year long reign as head coach of the Cowboys. However, not everyone knows that this guy was actually drafted by the Giants 184th overall in the 1947 NFL draft. You know, um I mean during his time with the Giants, this guy was both a punter and a defensive back. He may not have been the Giants' best player at the time, but he was still great nonetheless. This guy led the NFL in punt yards three times during his seven-year career while also snagging 32 interceptions. Now, um, in addition to this, this guy was, he also made one Pro Bowl and 
an All-Pro first-team selection in the 1954 season. However, however, just two years after his All-Pro season, this guy would retire as a player and become the Giants' defensive coordinator. Not long after this, he developed uh, the infamous 4-3 defense that helped turn the Giants from fringe contenders to NFL champions in one season. In just one season. You know, um, like a time, Landry, this guy not only changed the course of Giants history, but the NFLs as well. You know, um, the 4-3 defense would soon be adapted by multiple teams and, you know, still used to this day. At the time, there may not have been a better football mind than Tom Landry, you know, so I'd put him, I'd put him at number three. At number four, oh man. At number four, I have to put Phil Sims on there. Um, it's kind of it's odd that I put Phil Sims in my top four list of best draft picks of all time, but I got to put Phil Sims on there. Um, Phil Sims, if this guy, if Phil Sims had been healthy enough to bring the Giants their second Super Bowl title in 1990, he'd likely be much higher on my list. However, there's no denying the impact this guy had on the Giants Super Bowl odds during the 80s and 90s. Um, while those, you know, while those Giants teams were always built around defense, the Giants offense would not have been nearly what it was without Phil Sims. Um. This guy consistently put below average offenses on his back and led the Giants to multiple 10-win seasons before his retirement in 1993. By that point, this guy was a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, and was the Giants leader in just about every major passing category. His career may... Look at... His... Phil Simms' career... <clears throat> Phil Simms' career may not have been anything crazy, aside for his Super Bowl runs. However... Playing the most important position in the sport definitely gives this guy an edge over some of the players who arguably should be above him. If not, if it wasn't for Phil Simms, who knows if the Giants would have been uh, to two Super Bowls in a, in 1986-1990. Sure, Jeff Hosteller won the big game in 1990, but could we have led the Giants? Could could ask yourself this question? Could have? Could anyone believe? That Jeff Hosteller could have led that Giants team to the playoffs to even get them in, in that position like Phil Simms did? I don't know. I don't know. So I got to put Phil Simms at number four. Um, at number five. Oh, at number five, I have to put linebacker Sam Huff on there. I have to put Sam Huff on there. Um, look at Sam Huff, he may not have, he may not have some ridiculously insane career accolades-wise. However, Sam Huff's legacy will forever live on in NFL history. Not only was he a very special talent at linebacker, but he was also the first four-to-three linebacker the league had ever seen, and he couldn't have done a better job executing this role um i mean after being selected 30th overall in the 1956 NFL draft this guy would immediately be thrust into the into this new four to three role and it didn't take much time at all to catch on you know following a rookie season in which the giants would win the 1956 NFL championship this guy would rip off four straight all pro all pro appearances while also making four pro bowls as well 
in addition to this, um, you know, I'm Huff. Sam Huff also ranked third and fourth in MVP voting during the 1958 and 1959 seasons. I mean, the impact he had on the Giants during this time cannot be understated. To be a rookie and excel in a completely brand new concept the sport had never seen before is insane. Let alone have an incredibly productive 13-year career. So, I got to put Sam Huff at number five. And number six, um, and number six, there's another linebacker I can't forget. We can't forget about Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Harry Carson. I said Carrie. We can't forget about Harry Carson, another great linebacker for the Giants. Um, I mean, one of the most important pieces to the Giants Super Bowl run in 1986 was Harry Carson. He, while, while, while he often gets overshadowed by Lawrence Taylor, this guy was still a crucial member of the, of the crunch bunch that brought the Giants the most success the team had uh, seen since the 50s. Now, look at while we wouldn't be around during the team's Super Bowl victory in 1990, this doesn't take away from how special of a talent Harry Carson was. During his 13-season career, which he spent all with the Giants, Harry Carson made nine Pro Bowls and four team, uh, he made uh, four second-team All-Pros. Um, he got selected to, uh, he got selected to four second-team All-Pros. You know, this guy was taken with the 105th overall pick in the 1976 NFL Draft. This means that the Giants managed to snag a future Hall of Famer in the fourth round. A fourth rounder. That's crazy. You know, I mean, this sort of value, this sort of value, as we all know, is what separates good teams from great ones. But I mean, without Harry Carson, things things could have been different for the Giants in the eighties. You know, considering how poor the drafting has been for the Giants in the later rounds recently, it has. It has all of us hoping that maybe they can find another Harry Carson suit. You know, obtaining a starting level player, let alone a Hall of Famer in the fourth round, could be what takes this team over the top in the next couple of seasons. So I got Harry Carson at number six. At number seven, oh man, number seven, I I had to put running back and also wide receiver Frank Gifford. I had to. Um, look at throughout the New York Giants history, a player who consistently becomes underrated to me is Frank Gifford. I mean, this is honestly surprising considering how ridiculous of a career he had. Not only is this guy one of the most versatile players in NFL history, but he's one of the few players in Giants history to win league MVP. That's crazy. You know, I mean, in his 12-year career, this guy... In his 12 in his 12 uh, year career, all spent with the Giants, this guy would make eight Pro Bowls, eight, four All Pro first team selections, and an All Pro second team selection, and would win league MVP in the 1956 season. In the same season, this guy would be a huge part of the Giants NFL championship victory over the Chicago Bears. You know because the Bears, the Bears around this time, the Bear, the Chicago Bears took over the NFL. When they had the monsters of the Midway, you know, and they had Jim McMahon and Walter Payton. That's when the Bears were no joke, you know. Um, everyone, look at, look at. Also, Frank Gifford, he ranks third in receiving yards, 
7th in receptions, 5th in receiving touchdowns, 9th in rushing yards, and 7th in rushing touchdowns. This is sort this this sort of versatility is just ridiculous for any player, let alone a Hall of Famer. You know, everyone knows how incredibly stacked the Giant the, the New York Giants 1956 championship squad was. However, there was however there might there may not have been a player on that roster better than better than Frank Gifford. You know, I mean he may not have been a draft steal considering he was taken 11th overall in the 1952 NFL draft. However, <clears throat> however, there's no doubt in my mind how insanely talented he was for his time. So, I got Frank Gifford at number seven. At number eight, I can't, I can't forget about the great Michael Strahan. Um, yes, Michael Strahan. I was I was alive watching him play. Um, I had to put him at number eight. I mean, for being a good for being a second round pick, I think it's safe to say the Giants got a steal when they took Michael Strahan in the nineteen fifty uh, in the nineteen ninety three NFL draft. Now, while it would take well, well, now while it would take time take him a couple of years. Um. To catch on, once he entered his prime, it was for the league. At his peak, there may not have been a better pass rusher in the NFL. You know, now like I said before, this is I watched. I now, like I said before, I grew up watching. So just seeing how he played, just seeing how he played, and seeing just seeing how much of a leader he was for this for this Giants defense. It was amazing, you know. Um, now look at either it be his seven Pro Bowl appearances, four uh, four first team All Pro selections, two second team All Pro selections, his record setting twenty two point five sack season in two thousand one or Super Bowl title. There's no doubt about how elite Michael Strahan was, and you know, in addition to this. Strahan is one of few Giants to win the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year, taking the trophy home in the same uh, legendary uh, 2001 season. You know, um, Michael Strahan ranks first in Giants history in tackles, tackles for loss, and is second in sacks. I mean, this dominance helped lead the Giants to the to a, two Super Bowl appearances during his 15-year career at the Giants, in which they won one. You know. And not only was Michael Strahan the Giants' best player defensively during these runs, but he was incredibly dominant in the playoffs during the team's 2000 uh, during the team's uh, 2000 run. You know, Michael Strahan would rack up 4.5 sacks and 12 tackles. You know, during the uh, the team's 2007 run, Michael Strahan tallied two sacks, two forced fumbles, and 22 tackles. I mean, this level of dominance makes it easy to see why he's so, um, why he's on my list. So, yeah, I gotta put Michael Strahan on. I gotta put Michael Strahan at number eight. At number nine, guys, um, at number nine, I gotta put offensive tackle Rosie Brown on there. Um, um, look at Michael Strahan might be the better player all time than Rosie Brown. However, Rosie Brown's drafts, 
However, Rosie Brown's draft value makes him the better draft pick for the Giants. In the 1953 NFL draft, the Giants would select uh, this, they would select Rosie Brown in the 27th round. <clears throat> in the 27th round, uh, 30, uh, 322nd uh, overall. Considering how incredible of a player he was, Rosie Brown is easily one one of the biggest draft steals in league history. Um, I mean, during his time in the NFL, this guy would make nine Pro Bowls, six First Team All Pro selections, and two um, two All Pro Second Team selections as well. Alongside this, he was a key player on the Giants' 1956 NFL Championship squad. It's just absurd to think about a player being selected that low. 300. 300, like what, 322nd overall, that's crazy, and becoming one of the best offensive tackles in, the, in NFL history, that's crazy, that's ridiculous, you know, um, the Giants clearly knew how talented he was, as he would start all 12 games in his rookie season, and would continue this for all but three games in his 13-year career, all with the Giants, you know, and, and look, at not only is Rosie Brown one of the best players at his position in NFL history, but he's arguably a top five player the Giants have ever seen in one of the biggest draft steals ever. This makes it very easy to put him uh, put him um, at number nine on my list. Um, and you guys hear you guys hear me say this all the time. It's usually the players that get drafted so low. Those are the ones. I mean, those are the ones that are. Those are the kind of players that are expected to, uh, to succeed. Because you know how we all say, <clears throat> you know how we all say that we expect players that get drafted so high, we expect them to be great because they're coming out of. Because you know, you know, if you if you think this guy is a top a top five, top three, top two player in this draft class, you expect him to be great. But in reality, he's not going to be great. And that's and that's no. And I'm not trying. I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to say all the players that got drafted so high stink. But there's a lot of pressure on you. You know, a lot of people expect you to do so much. You can't. You're, it doesn't matter if you're a top. It doesn't matter if you're a top five player coming out of your own draft class. In the NFL, you're nothing but a rookie learning what to do how to how to fit in with the entire league you're nothing but you're nothing but a kid learning going up against grown men that's that's you're not a great player yet you know that's that's what you are you know but that's how but that's how it works usually in your like it shouldn't be a surprise when you're a rookie you're gonna struggle because you're trying to get used to everything, trying to get used to new play calls, the new players, the new, the new, you know, the new, you know, trying to get used to everything. The NFL, it's a total different ballgame from college, you know. So the fact that Rosie Brown got drafted this low and became one of the best, one of the best players, not just in Giants history, but in the history of the NFL, that's amazing. So yeah, and guys, at number ten, uh, number ten, I can't. You know, I can't leave him out. The great 
probably not not just the greatest line, not just the greatest defensive player on the Giants, but in the history of the NFL, the great LT Lawrence Taylor. This was a clear-cut, obvious choice for uh, number ten. I mean, I mean Lawrence Taylor. Look, he may not be a steal. However, he's the best player in Giants history, and arguably the greatest defensive player the league has ever seen. It's pretty clear to say that the, sec- uh, the second uh, overall pick of the 1981 NFL Draft um, panned out quite well for the Giants. You know what I mean? In Lawrence Taylor's 13th season career, this guy made 10 Pro Bowls. He was selected to eight All-Pro first teams, two All-Pro uh, second teams, one, <clears throat> he won Defensive Player of the Year uh, three times, and is, and I believe he's even one of few defensive players to take home the league MVP. I mean, the level of dominance Lawrence Taylor had, Lawrence Taylor had on the field, has really never been matched since he retired in 1993. I mean, <clears throat> not only was he an incredible player from an individual, from an um, I would say individual standpoint, but he was also the, um, the Giants' best player. I mean, during their Super Bowl run in 1986 and 1990, you know, Lawrence Taylor, you know, he's he's just a ridiculous he's just a he's just a ridiculous athlete specimen who had no match on the field on either on either side of the ball. You know, this guy ranks first in Giants history in sacks and will likely lead in several other stats had they been recorded while he was playing. I mean, it's truly ridiculous to look at Lawrence Taylor's uh, resume, <clears throat> and there generally may never be another defensive player as dominant as he was. So yeah, and yeah, guys, those are my uh, ten draft picks. In those are my uh, top ten draft picks in New York Giants history. Let me know how you guys feel about my list, and I'll get right back at you guys. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, yeah, um, um, let me know how you guys feel about my list. Let me know if I should add anyone else. Um, but that's my list, you know, um, and yeah, um, so yeah, so far that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I'll keep you guys updated for more news about the New York Giants or more lists if I have any, or if I have any questions I want to answer, you guys already know what to do. I'll go down to my Q&A section and just write me any questions you fit. You can write me any questions. Doesn't matter. I'll answer it in the best way as I'll answer it the best way possible. But yeah, guys, hope you guys enjoy this one. And I also hope you guys enjoy your, uh, I hope everyone enjoys this on the sun. Um, and yeah, but Until then, guys, I'm out. Peace.